feeling an extreme sense of deja vu <laughs> edition of Spin Cycle. It's less than 24 hours. No, just over 24 hours since I was in the studio. Uh, this is the media show that tries to make sense of the chaos that is our 24-hour news cycle, broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which sovereignty have never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I'm Jess Lilly and joined in the studio this week again, back feeling healthy and chipper, hopefully. <laughs> Crikey reporter Charlie Lewis. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Jess. Yes, no, I'm a picture of, of ruddy good health. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but your general... Our your, listeners don't need to know that. Come on. Your general anemic self has returned. <laughs> That's very, you do say the sweetest things. <laughs> <laughs> On tonight's show, we'll be talking with Chan- Trans Justice Project Director Jackie Turner about the media's role in spreading disinformation about trans issues. And I'd probably go further than that in some cases, building the panic. But we'll talk more about that when we talk to Jackie. Um, we're also going to be uh, having a look-see across the pond at the burning bin fire that is Fox News's whatever tatters remained of Fox News's reputation in the US with the um, Dominion case rolling a massive um, – it's like that – what was that ball that <laughs> – wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> I was just had visions of Miley Cyrus then. <laughs> Swinging a wrecking ball through Fox News is that case. So we'll be um, talking about that later. But – uh, we're going to kick off the show with a very interestingly timed story that broke yesterday. A little, we love a redemption narrative. Usually, it's a, it's a singular kind of redemption narrative in our media landscape. Um, Tom, uh, I was going to say Charlie, who uh, was the who was the um, protagonist in this redemption narrative yesterday? Well, well, long-time listeners of Spin Cycle will actually will may remember that we we, did, we dedicated an entire show to the saga that, that kind of kicked all of this off. Um, I love the way you say that because even I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a really my wonderful little, sign that you're not that big a fan of the show. <laughs> my little goldfish brain was like, huh? we did. Um, yeah, so almost almost exactly a year ago, we interviewed uh, sports writer Nicole Hayes about this it was a um it was yes, around the sacking did. of uh, a fox sports uh reporter called tom morris after someone had leaked basically a, a whatsapp chat group uh, with various voice messages and text messages that revealed uh, him and his colleagues kind of uh just sharing a lot of jocular misogyny uh, homophobia. Well, it was homophobic. Racial slurs. Misogyny. The, 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 the one that the, the, the full the, trifecta. Really. It really it was it was the hat trick. Um uh, and and certainly the the the, the homophobia uh, and sexism was the one that kind of really was was what crystallised it all. Well, especially because it was against a fellow reporter, it, 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 a yes, fellow sports yes. reporter. Uh, it was really it, um, it, it objectifying, and I cannot under sell how crude it was. It was incredibly crude, and and yes, you're right, objectifying and, and outed out, outed a a colleague. Yeah. Um. In in the group, so uh, within a couple of days, he had been sacked. This is this is yet, yeah, as I say, just under a year ago. Uh, so a really interesting, an interesting, you know, comes with great big clanging quotation marks around it. <laughs> uh, piece ran um, yesterday uh, in the Age. Yesterday being International Women's Day. Well, that Day. yes, I mean, all right. So I think, uh, but basically, um, 
uh, charting the year that he's had since and, and, and sort of talking about his But the headline role. was very much like, I'm ashamed. I did a really bad thing. Uh, yeah, d- disgraceful, disgusting and deserving the sack, uh, Tom Morris, on his... Uh, on his very public downfall. So, look, I think you know. I I, I think we to be to be like truly fair. You have to preface any conversation like this by saying if we do believe in in our ability to craft a better world than the one we currently have, we have to believe that people can get better and people can improve and learn and 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 all of those things. You're and the I, you are the yin to my yang, Charlie. <laughs> and no, look, I'm and glad I, you and have faith in humanity. I, I, I one of us has to. I did not say that necessarily, but I do think that as a matter of principle, I think those two they, they, that should be established. And I do think you know there there aren't things that Morris says in, in this that I that I give him some credit for. I think one thing he didn't have to say, which he does, which is good, is this wasn't a one-off thing. I said shit like this all the time. This is part of the culture of what we had. He went further. That he didn't. Tra- he didn't play the. Oh, I was. I was. Uh, it was a moment of weakness, or I was Boo-hoo. dehydrated. I'm, yeah. Look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He, mm-hmm. he didn't have to say that, and he did. But uh, but there's a lot of things about this piece that are, that are just strange. That are strange. One, as as you've already um, alluded to, is could that not have waited. 12 hours? Could that not have waited till today or maybe next week to, to – did it have to be on International Women's Especially Day that we sport. do the, the sob story? But um, also well, the thing that I found really interesting about it was this – the age piece and that was subsequently picked up by a lot of um, media outlets, it wasn't a direct interview or direct story in the age. They were picking up – a podcast interview that one of their writers had done. To be fair, yeah. Okay. So I, I assume, oh, that so, makes so more it was, sense. It was. Okay, um, I Caroline it was. Caroline Wilson just... does co-host the podcast, I believe. That, um, that, that makes he appeared more on. sense because I was like, hang on a second, what sort of little PR machine have we got running here? <laughs> yeah, that Tom yeah. does a little, just some sort of podcast interview on the side that suddenly gets sucked up into the mainstream. Yeah, media. yeah. No, no, so no, so there is a bit more of a direct reference, but yeah, it is yeah. still. I mean, it is still strange because ultimately, so as the as the as the piece uh, makes clear, he's now returned. To to radio work with uh, Sen, the the sports radio network, um, with a once a week uh, kind of segment, um, and and in some ways you kind of uh, there's a lot here. There's a lot in the piece. I mean, for example, there's 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 things he talks about like. Being repeatedly abused in the street was one thing Morris accepted he had to endure, but watching his family's devastation was another matter entirely. Now, that that, that, that to me is there's there's a tone in that. I mean, and yeah, look, I don't doubt that it was horrible for his family. I, 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 there's all this stuff that's like... Uh, Do you know what he... that shits me so much about that, though? Mm. There's a complete separation from, like, why do you deserve to have this platform talking about that? What? Like, why? Mm. what about, once again, the person who you so kind of, you know, dismissively and violently kind of outed with this chat... That was that that you know the only reason that you've had to to make this mayor culpa was because these words that you say you uttered frequently mm. were made uh, public, made public, yeah. and so you were dragged kicking and screaming to this awakening. But once again. Why is why are you being platformed? Why are your you know where is, well, the, uh, where, is, is the, where is the where are the victims of this sort of shit? Well, what's it, what's it, what's and that's a really that's a very good point. And I think it's and there's, so there's another bit that kind of really stands out for me is that uh, it says he still feels uncomfortable discussing his former colleague for fear of indirectly confronting her with what took place last March. Uh, Barnard was contacted for comment by the Age, so presumably she was contacted. Neither she said presumably sod she's off. Like oh my god, or why? I don't want to, I don't want any part of this. Yeah, I don't want to be forever but, attached to this shit. When but, 
and this the, guy's trying to resurrect his career. Well, I mean, and so so the the, the, well, the discomfort. Well, doesn't have to try. He's already been given a got job by the sounds of things, and this is just um, the PR. Well, again, push. it's like if if, you, if so so there's that, and then there's, there's so there's the discomfort he he he, the, he reports feeling about bringing all this up, but then. That's only a noble impulse if you follow it to its logical conclusion, which is don't do a big interview with a major paper about it, because that's the, the best way to the best way to overcome your discomfort <laughs> on this is to just not do that interview. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same with um, uh, so M- Morris says he does not know who leaked his WhatsApp comments and has no interest in finding out. Nor is he interested in drawing par- any links between the timing of this battle and his battle with Coach uh, Luke Beveridge because he had a big. Well, you've just drawn out. a link, buddy. Exa- you've well, just drawn well, actually, a big no, old link. To, to be fair, he may be sincere in that, and, that, and if, if he is, that's a very noble thing. It, but why is it included? So that's in the, editorial. But but why is that included in the piece? Mm. If it's if if it's not relevant to him, why are you bringing up that he doesn't care about this? Unless mm. you're trying again, unless there's a bit of a process a bit of a sculpting process going on. Why mention any of it? And again, mm. so wh- why actually is that someone has a new job being on radio once a week actually worthy of the age's time? Unless their reputation has to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like why, why do we have to all endure this kind of reputation management aspect of, mm, you know, mm. of, of these kind of like people who are just because, – because you're media figure – because you're media figures, you're supposed to be either pure and have no issues whatsoever. If you do, then you have to um, find angles and, you know, yeah, go yeah, through yeah. a public – Yeah, do public, create a narrative. Yeah, yeah, create a narrative, have a public flagellation mm. and then we'll all just move on like it never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? They, I mean, they do, they do go and find they, – they, they, they reference kind of airily not everyone is thrilled to see him back. But here are five people we got to say on the record that they think it's a good thing he gets a second chance. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, a, it's, it's, an o- it's odd, <laughs> I would yeah, say. Yeah, it really sucks. Triple R. I am thrilled to welcome our guest tonight. Jackie Turner is the director of the Trans Justice Program, dedicated to to a a, a dedicated national transgender rights organisation in Australia that aims to push back against anti-trans rhetoric and misinformation. Jackie had a a piece published in Junkie last week titled How to Identify Dangerous Anti-Trans Disinformation and joins us to talk more about this now. Just a warning to trans listeners, we will discuss issues around trans mental health and anti-trans views in the media. So please take care and be gentle with yourself and your ears. Welcome to Triple R, Jackie. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's so great to have you on the show. And I love the fact we were talking to you about coming on last week and you're just like, no way, man, it's World Pride Day. It's World Pride. (laughs) There's too much on. How was it? How was Sydney last week? It was good. I was at a conference for three days as well, so I was just cooked, you know. Um, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, I would have come on the show and um, be flaring my words. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you could um, bounce back and talk to us this week. Um, so I'm interested. I just saw today um, uh, Mother Jones in the US published mm. an investigation yesterday, which is really interesting, and it revealed the leaked emails that detail a years-long effort of, you know, Christian right networks pushing for transgender healthcare bans. I guess the thing that we're interested in is um, the media kind of sucked this up, you know, and sort of fanned the flames. And 
I'm interested to know your thoughts about, you know, or, or, or if you can talk to the media's role in kind of taking the baton and running with it. Well, I think one of the key things that's come out of that Mother Jones piece is that for a long time, um, you know, I read an article in Junkie maybe a year ago about this, mm. talking about how the TERF movement, that's the trans-exclusionary radical feminist movement, so it's the anti-trans movement in the feminist movement, mm. um, the far right and um, disinformation and sort of conspiracy conversion organisations are all working together around the opposition to trans healthcare in the U.S., and this is one of the first glimpses that we've had behind the curtain showing just how explicit all that collaboration is. Um, so, you know, in the emails that were leaked, you can see that there are actually conversion organisations, um, anti-LGBT organisations, there are turf groups, there are also um, basically, like, anti-trans um, as well as you know, far-right and, and conservative political groups, mm. um, which is, you know, good to get that confirmation about what's actually happening happening here and to show that even from the early days of the anti-trans movement that there was actually these links into um, what would eventually become organised disinformation groups. Yeah, I think what I find interesting as well is, I mean, I think that it's long been suspected. I suppose it's similar, you know, not similar, different, completely different subject, but this kind of convergence for convenience sake of a lot of different groups. What, what's interesting is the way the media is so happy to jump on board, you know, and mm, and it's mm. not just right-wing media. The New York Times has a lot of just asking questions <laughs> pieces, you know, That's right. in the US. Why do you think, why, what is, um, why is it s- s- so kind of appealing to even liberal media to pick up these concepts and air them so widely when without, without credible evidence? Yeah, I think one of the key things that has advantaged the anti-trans um, lobbyists is that for most folks, they're really unfamiliar about what it means to be trans. Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with trans healthcare, um, then it can be really confusing about what is disinformation and what actually is legitimate debate mm. um, and healthy debate within the medical community. And I think what we've seen from particularly Australian media is um, partly a kind of negligence around um, platforming people that they don't realise are peddling information and, mm. um, you know, a, a pretty lacking approach to actually doing good fact-checking and following up. Um, in some cases, and then also a really intentional platforming of disinformation groups. So there's an article written actually I think two years ago now, maybe a year and a half ago, um, I think it was Crikey by Ken um, uh, Wilson, I think it is, and he talked about a report that found that News Corp papers reported on trans issues more than anyone else in the media landscape at the time, but 90% of their articles were negative. Yeah, it's um, it it's it's very hard not to see it as an agenda. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Which <laughs> is is it partly perhaps? Hi, Jackie. Sorry, this is Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, is it partly just the the kind of, I guess, a hangover of the media's love of debate, quote unquote, debate, argument, conflict, for the sake of it? Will they just wring out any subject they can 
in those terms for as long as they can get away with it. I mean, we've talked, we've seen this with, it's a, again, very different thing, but say climate change was talked about as a debate for as long as it possibly could until that wasn't sustainable anymore. Do you think there's some element of that at play? Oh, desperately. I think it's very clear that the, um, that the extreme right is using uh, trans people as an entry point into a broader culture war mm. on the LGBTQ community. And we've seen that start out with, um, you know, discussions about trans people in sport and then really mm. escalate to what we're seeing in the US now with bans on, on drag and bans on um, LGBTQ pe- uh, teachers being able to mention their sexuality if they're teaching um, young kids in school. And um, so it, very, it's been very clear in Australia that that has been a strategy. Mm. Um, we know that, for example, as well, the Australian Christian Lobby, that I'm sure is a familiar um, group for many folks who listen to your show, <laughs> um, uh, said at the Church and State Conference, which is like a big conference of all the religious and sort of far-right groups, um, where they come together and talk strategy. Um, the CEO at the time openly said that they were going to use trans issues as a key political wedge um, to attract, attack the broader LGBT um, community. Um, so we know that this is uh, yeah, it's a political campaign. It's an agenda that they're running. Um, it's opportunistic, and they're preying on the fact that people are so unfamiliar um, with trans people mm. um, to really sell disinformation um, and use it for their advantage. Yeah, it's interesting. In, in your junkie piece, you did say you made the point that you know, not most Australians don't know a trans person. It's so different from say the you know marriage equality debate where everyone mm. had a friend or a family member or you know someone who in their you know circle or a colleague who's queer and they could humanise the debate. You know how? What impact does that have in terms of um, the 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 ability to rinse and repeat these issues? I mean, you talked about um, you know trans women in sport. Um, the U the U S is very fond of you know children being medicalised too young. The U K is all big on uh, trans women in um, you know in bathrooms. There are these tropes that keep getting wheeled out. Is 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 the fact that perhaps the the trans population is so small, does that allow these tropes to continue in the media unchecked a little bit? I think that's definitely right. Um, I think we saw in the last election in Australia in that um, anti-trans commentators were allowed to have, you know, huge access to to national media platforms, Mm. while trans people were really denied that same opportunity to speak of how um, their words were affecting our lives um, and how much of what was being said was um, not a fact and was, you know, really harmful disinformation. Mm. I think, too, you know, there's a real power in um, in, um, the way that this fight is, is happening. So... You know, some of the largest organisations in our country are basically ganging up mm. on one of the smallest communities in the country. Um, you know, trans people are somewhere between one and four percent of the population, mm. um, depending on how you count it. So, um, we also really suffer suffer high rates of um, unemployment and uh, poverty and homelessness because of the discrimination we face. So we're already 
marginalised in our communities and then having these really large organisations with huge platforms um, basically come after us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to that point, um, uh, a study, pretty recent study of, I think it was 21, of nearly 1,000 um, trans respondents uh, in this country... Uh, of the of them, nearly half have attempted suicide. Nearly seventy percent had self harmed. The vast majority mm. reported lifelong issues with depression and anxiety. Thirty three percent reported employment discrimination. Why is there such a massive disconnect between the lived experience of the trans population or trans people, as reported to this um, in this survey? And the way the media reports on trans issues, do you think? Yeah, I, yeah, a few things. One of them is that um, trans community is an incredibly strong, resilient community who endures um, a lot of hardship in accessing care um, and, you know, overcomes a lot of fear and a lot of barriers to live our lives um, as a busy fit. And so... There's, there's that, but then mm-hmm. also the impact of ongoing discrimination that makes our lives really difficult um, and stops us from getting the jobs we want. I think the imbalance is because um, um, that there's an agenda at play. Mm. We know that um, groups are looking for an issue that um, they can fear-monger about and sort of stir the public um, up with, and we've seen that with the moral panic in you know other places overseas, mm. and I think that's that's um, yeah that's the aim here. What does it? How does it make you feel when you see uh, you know shows like Insight on SBS just a couple of weeks ago? In fact, I think it it might have even been last week, or it, I don't know. It was just incredibly close to Pride, um, platforming someone like Catherine Deves. Um, it's very disappointing. Mm. Um, we know that Catherine Deves, um, in particular, has been a person who has um, uh, platformed disinformation groups. Um, in some of her tweets that were deleted in the election, she was um, retweeting um, and uh, sort of in conversation with groups like Genspect and um, Science for Evidence-Based and Medicine that are two really notorious uh, anti-trans disinformation groups. So I think to give someone like that a platform is um, incredibly negligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So follow, following on from that, so you, in, your, in, your, in your piece, Jackie, from, from last week, you, you really set out really assiduously the different things to look out for in terms of uh, kind of mm. anti-trans disinformation. I suppose for our listeners who, uh, if they pick up on that, if they see one of these organisations such as the Science for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine being, you know, sort of prominently featured in an article or, or, or the other issues, bad terminology and various tropes that you kind of set out, what, 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 what is available to them to do? I mean, how have you found, say, uh, a watchdog like the Press Council? Have you found that they've been uh, acceptable in terms of their response to these things? I mean, who, where can people go to, to report this stuff or, or deal with it? Yeah, I think there's a few ways that we can deal with it. So one of them is definitely reporting articles to the Press Council and making complaints to the journalists. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important to make sure that there's um, a paper trail of these complaints. But I think... 
what we've seen recently with um, what happened with disinformation in the COVID-19 pandemic um, and also what's been happening in, you know, climate change debates for a long time is that it's really hard to keep ahead of disinformation. Mm -hmm. So what's really important is to actually start inoculating people against this. So, you know, that means having um, chats with your friends and family about this, you know, maybe not in the level of detail that I talk about in the article, but maybe finding, you know, metaphors that work for people. So, for example, you know, if a men's rights organisation suddenly started giving advice on contraception and abortion, you might <laughs> know what their agenda is there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, humanising that issue for people because there is so much uncertainty in, in the public's mind about what exactly their affirming care, trans health care is all about. Um, just pointing out that bias and how these actors are really acting in, in bad faith, mm. um, that, you know, gender-affirming care is... Is the standard that's been set by the world's um, leading medical bodies, and the people who are coming out swinging against it are really quite a, a fringe group of um, pseudoscientific organisations. Um, I think as well, um, really, um, you know, I see people use sort of different terms for this. Um, so it's like, oh, is it, is it life? Is it misinformation? I think the importance of talking about disinformation is that, and, and using that frame, is that it speaks to intention. Mm-hmm. We know that these groups are intentionally making misleading science and papers to try and undermine trans people's access to gender-affirming care. Um, that is their core motivation. Mm. So I think we really need to call it that. It's not just... Um, having a different opinion. It's not just telling some fibs. Um, it is a targeted campaign to attack our rights. And if, with regards to the way um, that trans, issue, trans issues are reported in the media, what would be your, you know, gold standard, you know, sort of journalistic <laughs> approach? You know, what should journal? What would what would you ask journalists to do differently or do better? To when they report on something that's clearly not going to, you know, go away? Look, you know, I think a great first thing to do would be read my article. Um, <laughs> yes, hard, definitely. But, um, you know, I think that's one thing. I think they have um, a real duty right now to educate themselves on these issues and how they're working politically because nothing happens in a vacuum, right? So these issues are being discussed in an environment for trans people are having their rights um, um, attacked mm. and where there's active um, debate about, um, you know, whether we should be able to access um, the care that makes our lives fulfilling and allows us to thrive. So I think they have a real responsibility to educate themselves on those debates, but I think, well, actually just, you know, we, we live in the age of the internet. It's not hard to look up reputable science on this work from reputable bodies that work with the trans community. Look at bodies like OzPath, that is the peak body for transgender health professionals in Australia. Um, looking at Jack Turban, um, mm. in, who does a lot of work around kind of debunking disinformation around this work, can do actually a lot of the legwork for you. Mm. We also know a lot about who are the bad actors in these cases. They're mm. not hidden. It's not hard to find them. Um, if they are connected to organisations like GenSpectrum 7, most times, there's going to be someone who um, is on the fringe, is not, um, you know, is using disinformation in some way. So you can kind of filter out 
um, you know, the good faith and bad faith actors quite easily um, if you just take the time to learn a little bit. And for listeners, what what should they look out for? What do you think are the biggest sort of tropes or the biggest, you know, the biggest red flags for bad faith, yeah. bad faith articles? Yeah, there's a couple of really good ones. I had a lot of fun talking with some trans friends of mine about this, about what to put in the articles. You know, there's only a few that people are going to remember, right? Yeah. Um, there's a couple that I put in there that I think are really key identifiers. One thing is that they won't say the word trans. Mm-hmm. Um, they might use trans-identified or something like that, but they'll call them something else. They'll say gender dysphoric, gender confused, gender questioning, you know, all these kinds of weaselly words to get out of using the term trans. And that's because they don't believe that trans people exist. Right. Um, so it's part, of, it's part of their communication strategy to not say the word trans. Another really important um, one to look out for, and there's, there's kind of two here, um, is this idea of a social contagion. So, like, basically there's this idea that they keep mentioning that's basically like social media is turning your kids trans. It's like a re- <laughs> it's kind of gay panic, um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, they call it, they have this jargon term for it called rapid onset dysphoria. Oh, this God. is a really, yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> this is a really key term to look out for because this is quoted in mainstream articles in Australia. Oh, God. And there was a article literally in The Australian a couple of, I think it was two weeks ago, featuring a study that was looking at children who they had diagnosed with rapid onset gender dysphoria. This is not a real diagnosis. Mm. Um, it does not have set criteria. So the researchers had made up this entire framework themselves and just started assigning it to kids and then published that as if it was a real report. It's all fake science. So, anyway, rapid onset gender dysphoria is a really big red flag to look out for or any discussion about social contagion. Yeah. It's pure fear-mongering about trans people. God, it's so brutal, isn't it, that um, that words can be harnessed in that way to create a framework that people will that will just sort of confirm prejudices and it just catches itself in the tail, you know, this whole... Um, moral panic. It's mm-hmm. um, we can see it happening in real time. Um, Jackie, I'm so grateful that you are at least um, pushing back and giving us the tools to push back. Can you tell us about the Trans Justice Program, how it works, and and, and what your aims are f- for it? Yeah, great. Um, uh, so I have just launched um, a crowdfund. Actually, Excellent. Um, we have just reached. Uh, our, um, oh, you're cutting out again. Sorry, just say that again. Oh, sorry. Um, we've actually had to raise our target twice um, oh, from 25 grand, and now we're shooting for 35 grand, which oh, is great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you can find that on on Twitter and Instagram at Jackie May Turner. Um, but uh, we are an organisation that is dedicated to building, connecting, training, and coordinating. Um, a really strong trans-led movement of people in Australia. Mm-hmm. And also working towards pushing back against the anti-trans lobby in Australia. We have a really good window of opportunity right now yep. where the lobby isn't set up in the way that they are overseas. If we can get ahead of this now, mm. we know that we can actually undermine their efforts and also build um, the movement that we need to create a better future for trans and gender diverse young people. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us um, this evening, Jackie. Um, we've been talking to Jackie Turner, who is the director of the Trans Justice Program. And, um, yeah, I highly um, recommend that listeners get behind it. And also um, just in terms of, you know, understanding what the stakes are and what and how much power is behind this lobby, definitely find and read that Mother Jones article because it's so illuminating. And Jackie's junkie piece as well. <laughs> oh, 100%. Uh, find Jackie's junkie piece, which is titled How to Identify Dangerous Anti-Trans Disinformation. It's actually incredibly informative. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, Jackie. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Jackie. Triple R. Um, that chat with Jackie was amazing. It was, it was. I mean, we were talking about this uh, during the song about how the the, the one thing that I, uh, one of the many things I love about being on the show is the ability of people who do this kind of work, one, to hear about it and to explore it, but also their ability to maintain their energy and their optimism and their belief. Uh, it's, it's, it's genuinely uh, inspiring and it's important and I'm, yeah, I'm very happy to play a part in bringing those messages to uh, an audience. Well, there's a lot of power in that final statement that Jackie made about, you know, we are not at the point that those yeah. other countries are yet. You Absolutely. can feel the push, you can feel the pressure, you can feel it bubbling, mm. but there is the potential to fight back and yeah, to push absolutely. back and, and, I th- and we I th- should all be part of that for know? sure for sure and it does it does allude to something that that um that i've sort of that, that, that is i think very important to also mention is that when you put it in those terms one thing becomes very clear it's not an organic process that's happening at a grassroots level of concerned mums no. it is something that has been actively and deliberately imported wholesale from culture warriors overseas and i think that's a very important thing or to keep even an eye here, on here i think that there you know oh yeah yeah for sure yeah. there there is a you know there is a um religious right here as much as there is in america and who would love to be able to have that level of impact in mm, mm. you know in society and in government and and it's 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 great that we perhaps have the ability to help help stop that. Yeah, know. yeah. I think, and also, I think you know, like, we, we get very very broad and sociological here. But yeah, I think you're right that there isn't the same. That there is a, there is a, a, a hard right Christian lobby in this country for, for sure. Mm. But I don't think it's They're as kind wo- of silly. It's not as woven into the fabric of of how laws are made as it is in, in the US, and it certainly doesn't have the same uh, genuine groundswell of movement behind it that it does mm. in the US. So everyone must support the Trans Justice Program. Thank you very much. <laughs> and you can follow Jackie to find out how at Jackie May Turner on Twitter and Instagram. Um, from one uh, aspect of American ludicrousy to another, <laughs> uh, it's been really interesting, this Dominion um, case against um, Fox News, the, the lawsuit that Dominion filed against Fox News in terms of um, – 
the you know misinformation, speaking of misinformation, all that kind of the debased lies about how Dominion, which is the voting system, mm-hmm. um, was uh, corrupt and um, yeah, yeah, gave and, votes and, and, to Biden, and, and, and it allowed jo- Joe Biden to yeah, steal the last election, and deprived um, Trump of a win of his rightful victory. Yeah. Yes, mm. and obviously Dominion has sued a number of people, but bringing a lawsuit against Fox News has been incredibly illuminating. It has. It's been. It, I mean, it's 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 incredible. It's incredible what has been um, re- was been revealed by this lawsuit uh, because under depositions that have been made public and and uh, tranches of of text messages and and emails that were sort of shared between various high profile Fox figures have been uh, released under subpoena. Um, and I mean, I, you know, you don't want to overstate this stuff, but but. The end of Fox News, Charlie? No, I, I, I actually don't. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for a second. Um, uh, and it will be very interesting to see how all this sort of shakes out. But 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 in terms of um, high profile um, figures in Fox News saying explicitly, as their channels were were amplifying and in some cases actively endorsing the, the theories that Trump and his supporters were putting forward that, that, that this election had been stolen. Mm. Um, we are seeing contemporaneous messages at the time uh, essentially saying that they knew that that wasn't true or that, that a lot of people at that, that station knew it wasn't true. Well, uh, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because so Dominion's claim was that Fox engaged in the knowing and reckless propagation of falsehoods, yes. enormous falsehoods, in order to profit from lies. And so in order to prove that, they have um, um, subpoenaed um, personal messages or messages between announcers and within the station. Yeah, regarding, regarding, regarding the story. Yeah. And it's... True. Mm. Well, the I mean the interesting I mean, and that, allegedly I think it, it's actually the messages. It's actually it's, well, it's very it's very um, it's, it's significant that detail because the, in the US and I'm sure we I'm sure our listeners our regular listeners are probably sick of hearing me banging on about this particular distinction. But in this case, it's actually important. Um, in the US, basically, uh, the onus of proof in terms of a defamation claim is reversed. It's, it's extremely, it's nigh on impossible because of the commitment to free speech that's mm. sort of ingrained in that place. It's almost impossible to win a defamation claim if you're a public figure or a public company um, against a, a reporter or, or a media organisation because unlike in Australia where the onus of proof is very much on the person re- publishing to prove their allegations are either true or on the balance of probabilities true, um, or that, that what they are recording, uh, what they are saying, is in the public interest. In the US, that that onus is reversed. If you are suing someone, you have to be able to prove that they were acting with malice. Well, they I, were saying either things that they knew weren't true, yeah. or they were saying things. They were acting with such haste to report the story that they made very avoidable mistakes in the reporting of the truth. And the, there are things, the messages like Tucker Carlson basically saying um, Sidney Powell is lying, who is one of the high-profile lawyers um, of. Trump, yes, Donald yes. Trump, um, and anchor Brett Bayer wrote to an executive, there's no evidence of fraud. Yep. Uh, mean, sorry, Sean Hannity saying, I did not believe it for one second in a dip- deposition. Yeah, over and over and over again. They're basically um, all of these, um, you know, there's so much evidence, you know, um, of 
the fact that everyone knew that they were reporting on these false yeah and 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 also the the explicitly commercial nature of why that that line had to be held to so there's tucker carlson i'm messaging a producer on one of the shows who is was employing a a junior reporter who was casting some doubt on the dominion Mm -hmm. the the conspiracy theories about dominion voting systems uh and tucker carlson texts you've got to fire that person this is going to affect our we're going to lose our we're going to lose our core audience to newsmax at this rate which is a a if you can imagine it, a further right um, outlet well, in actually, the US. Well, actually, I think that's one of the most um, interesting things about this was the um, the almost the fear of their own audience because, in fact, mm. um, on you know election night or or sort of sorry early on when. So, I can't remember what – I don't have that detail in front of me. But the audience turned against them incredibly quickly, you know, and that was a shock to Fox News. They thought they had the audience in the bag. But if the – you know, if anyone showed any doubt – and so this kind of snowballed in well, a way. I mean, and this is actually – I think it kind of points to a little bit of a um, uh, an inbuilt problem with making a, a pitch of that sort – kind of the core of what you do it's a bit of the same thing and it's a, it's a bit of a long bow but i think it i think it, the same process applies you know there's that, the whole period where clive palmer and the united australia party were really courting the kind of anti-vax movement in mm. australia and eventually inevitably they fell out because you can't you can't keep up with them yeah. you, you can't you can't actually appease someone who's kind of core beliefs are, are, are informed by conspiracy theories. Eventually, yeah. you are going to become the problem. You're going to become the elite who has been lying to them all this time. I think Fox might have run up against that same yeah. that same road. So um, I think, you know, we, we're obviously uh, running down the clock a little bit here. But I think one thing I just w- did want to quickly mention uh, was something that I, I sort of we noted uh, this week in Crikey about UK politics. Uh, newish UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has this week announced a an eerily familiar, shall we say, hardline um, approach to uh, asylum seekers and attempting to illegally enter the UK via boat. It's stop the boats. <laughs> it's, that, that's literally his, Whoa, yeah, his, his, his podium is, 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 is emblazoned mushrooms? with that phrase, um, which is really interesting. And uh, this comes... This feels so Black Mirror. Yeah, well, I mean, is it even that? It's actually, it's actually, it's actually less weird than that. It's just they hired um, the protege of of an Australian Linton um, of Linton Crosby, an Australian uh, lobbyist and political messaging expert, um, and who has gone on to do great things in his own right. A guy called Isaac Levito. Um, he has been hired, and we don't know for sure that this is his doing, but mm. he. People defer to him if he if he comes up with this. You would imagine no messaging is coming out of the Conservative Party headquarters that has not been okayed by him. And it just it just really. And I think this is something that we'll go into probably on a future show, maybe yeah. next week. But it just it fascinated me looking uh, a piece I wrote today about this. Going the 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 discourse in this country, the way that we talk about certain issues, has been irrevocably molded over the last twenty years by about four or five guys. <laughs> And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favourite podcast platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Nadge Samble, at Lily Juice, and at The Shuffle Diary. You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.